Hello, everybody. Good afternoon. My name is Derek Arden and welcome to Monday Night Live. Today, I've got uh, Justin Urquhart-Stewart with us. Hello, Justin. Thanks for joining us. Let me tell Pleasure. you a little bit about Justin. He's a good friend of Monday Night Live. He's joining us next week live at the uh, Victory Services Club. And uh, Justin was a stockbroker, founder of Seven Investment Management, investment guru, and now a TV personality. Justin, <laughs> I tried yeah, to... Also known as Schofield, probably. No, definitely not. Yeah, we won't mention that. Thanks for no. joining us, Justin. You, no, better well, tell you. Us, you better tell us what's going on politically <laughs> with Ukraine, with interest rates. Since last time you were on, interest rates have uh, doubled, I think. So uh, tell us what's going on. Right. Well, despite everything that's going on, uh, whether it's the world, whether it's the war in Ukraine, whether it's inflation, uh, whether it's... Uh, uh, the issues we got with uh, certainly some of the companies in the states and the financing. Um, actually, the global economy has managed to put itself through this and it's still growing. Not very fast, but still growing. But it's got some huge things to try and address. Um, but uh, say, considering after the pandemic and all of that, um, uh, you, you could have actually come up with a much, much darker story. The most important thing, which was important last year, but still for this year, is making sure that Globally, we manage inflation properly, and hopefully not the way that Mr. Erdogan likes to do it in Turkey. Um, so it's going to be a tough time uh, all the way around. Unfortunately, Blighty is not so good at getting its inflation down. But one word I think for everybody is that the rate of inflation is incredibly misleading, because we all have different rates of inflation. I know uh, as I get older, uh, no, the cost of drugs get more expensive, and uh, so actually my rate of inflation is much much higher than say. Um, a youngster going to university where, well, it's a different type of drugs, but I'm sure they're getting cheaper. But they actually got electrical goods and all those sort of things are generally much cheaper. Um, so you, know, you always have to take with a pinch of salt. The underlying rate of inflation, though, is still too high. And as I know many of your uh, members will know, and you and I both know, going back to the 70s and the pain of double digit inflation. Remember, they got up to what, just under 25 percent at one stage. Um, and uh, no, that is awful. When you saw people on uh, fixed uh, incomes actually seeing uh, their capital just being eroded away like that and never being able to get it back again. So quite right to try and fix it. Uh, although having said that, when you look at some of the things that certainly in Britain, our dear Prime Minister has been saying he's going to do, he's going to halve the rate of inflation, he's going to cut down a number of um, uh, immigrants coming through. These are things he's going to find it very difficult to control. And uh, as far as you know, the, uh, the Prime Minister of Britain does not control inflation. So he's got to be quite careful with what he says. Still, he can rely on the Bank of England, who are as reliable as ever, and coming out with statistics, which are normally referred to as, as the technical term, uh, wrong. Um, and uh, so be rather wary of what you're hearing from Andrew Bailey. Um, they were late to react on this, and they're still being late, so it's probably getting another interest rate rise, which I don't think actually is going to do necessarily that much good. Um, but for the uh, Joe Schmo in Britain at the moment, inflation is still high, and uh, it uh, will be coming down, showing signs of coming down. But that core element of inflation, where you strip out food and energy, um, actually is actually still looking uh, poisonously high, um, but it is heading in the right direction. Better news, it's falling in the States. Uh, why? Because the cost of power has gone down more dramatically there. Remember, they, they don't actually need the rest of the world. Um, and so uh, their, their position is, is stronger like that. They're obviously going to have interesting times with the election for next year. God, we've got, we have to go through another 18 months of uh, pain of American elections. Um, and uh, 
But nonetheless, uh, the American economy, despite the issues we've seen in the past few months, again, is in not bad shape. You can, no, don't fool yourself, but it's better. Just one question on inflation. I read that no one really knows putting up interest rates will deal with inflation. What's your view on that? Because they well, said this is another experiment. Well, it is, you know, the old school issue was if you put up the cost of money, therefore you're going to actually slow down the economy. The trouble is, if you want an economy to start growing again, putting up interest rates isn't going to, actually going to help. So it really is a terrible dilemma for central bankers and politicians. Right? Do you try and stop inflation um, and twitch the button is put up interest rates? But as you say, does that necessarily stop it? The answer is no. It doesn't necessarily stop it. Under the old conventions, you would say, yes, it would. But we're in a very different world now, economically. So you know, where is the inflation that uh, needs to be held? Well, it's primarily going to be foodstuffs and it's going to be power generation. Um, and frankly, the, co the cost of money on that uh, is not going to have such a direct impact. So the banking union is certainly going to raise, I suspect, another half percent. It doesn't actually need to do so because it's going to cause even more pain. And there's been good examples in that the past few, few days, actually, of people trying to uh, remortgage or actually finishing their mortgage, starting again, and finding themselves in a position where they're, they're having to pay more than double. Um, why? Because the industry never told people that these are emergency rates whereon they are going to revert back. And the fact you well done, you've got a big mortgage for 2%, but I'm afraid in five years' time, budget for the fact it's going to be more than double that. Um, and when you did cheat people that, they didn't believe you. And more to the point, the people flogging the mortgages wouldn't want to tell anybody, which is just pathetic. And yet again, our financial services industry covering itself uh, in mud. But anyway, but no, you're right. The, the actual impact of interest rates go back 30 years ago, had a bigger impact. Uh, now that's not the way we solve this inflation just by interest rates. OK, so let's get let's go back to the US. I interrupted yep. you. We're going to tell us all about Biden and Trump. What's going to happen out there? Well, that's going to be interesting. Is is Trump actually going to stand or not or just going to make life difficult? Which I think he, he as long as he gets the publicity and, and the, some people uh, are willing to bow to him and uh, polish his ego, he's he's happy as Larry. Um, and uh, but on the other hand, um, up against Biden at the moment, who appears to have trouble standing up. Um, you know, it's uh, the last thing we need is uh, uh, someone who's nearly dead and probably someone who should be. Um, and uh, so the, the combination of that doesn't fill me with a great deal of joy. So I see Mike Pence says he's going to stand again. So that's another opportunity to doze off for a while. Um, and of course, Mr. DeSantis is, is an interesting one because his uh, ideas and policies seem to change according to the wind. But then again, he's a politician, so we shouldn't be surprised. Uh, at least we managed to avoid the debt ceiling argument again. And they all get very worked up on the fact that America has never defaulted on its debt. Well, actually, Mississippi did once, um, but the, as a, a federal, as a state, uh, the states overall has never defaulted on its debt. Has it actually been a position where it didn't raise the debt ceiling? Yes, yes, it has. And several times over the past 15 years, um, uh, they had to shut down public parks and technically be, wouldn't be getting their state pay and all those sort of things. Um, people get very worked up and say, it's the American defaulting. America is not defaulting in the way that, say, Argentina does on a serial basis. Um, but it's just actually showing that um, it's still living way beyond its means. Um, and the Republicans are right. This needs to be hauled back in. Um, but of course, it's never a very popular policy, populist policy, um, to actually say we're going to be spending less. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what, what happens with this at the moment. Uh, the amount, the deal that's been done was ubiquitous fudge, um, but enough to get through, uh, through Congress. 
Uh, so what happens next? Um, you'll see the American economy growing at a lower, slower level. Um, the uh, issues you've got in terms of companies at the moment, a bit of a fool's paradise at the moment. We're seeing some pretty strange figures coming out of corporates. Um, reasonable profitability, but the underlying cost of doing business is higher. Um, so those margins are going to be squeezed. So I think some of the equities at the moment, and I leave aside here the uh, uh, certainly the, the technology stocks, uh, are going to find out themselves with squeezed margins over the next year or so. So be wary. I think we're going to be seeing more of a, um, a volatility in the equity market, um, which I take actually as a, uh, always take as an opportunity. Unless you think, of course, the world's about to come to an end, in which case we go and buy uh, that wonderful case of scotch and sit in the cave in Wales. Um, but, but realistically, if the world's going to continue, you're going to still remain invested primarily. It's going to be in equities because that's going to give you uh, a, a dividend. That's going to make sure you've got a yield. With the yield, you have your compounding. Compounding, that's where you make your money longer term. That's called investing as opposed to actually having a punt on stocks, which is fine. But that's called having a punt on stocks, very different from investing. So I did hear a story that Jamie Dimon might stand, the uh, J.P. Morgan chief executive might stand for president. Is that just nonsense? I think it's a lovely story for him to go around doing, make sure that he, uh, he keeps his job for a while. So for God's sake, don't fire him. Have him replaced. Um, so uh, if it's, it's, he, he likes the idea of people talking about it like that. But no, he's too clever to go into politics. He doesn't need to go into politics. Why would you go and besmirch yourself with that? Um, and it's a, it's a, a rotten, in various meanings, <laughs> business to be in. Uh, but I think what is just woefully uh, worrying, and the same applies in Britain as well, where are the good politicians? Where are the ones who say, I'd follow that person, I'd vote for that person. I look in America, I find it very hard. When I look in Britain, <laughs> it's, it's an, an empty space. So whether you've got Rishi Shunak there, um, or whether you actually then look at uh, the, the Labour leader, I'm afraid neither of those are actually getting, getting pulses going at the moment. And all we're getting is yet more infighting. And here we are going through another rate of infighting about who's going to have WhatsApp notes about uh, what happened during the pandemic. I mean, for God's sake, I looked at Sweden's. They produced a report which was very succinct for ideas, not who's to blame. That's we could argue to blue in the face about who's to blame. How do you manage a pandemic? And we used to have those plans in place. We had a plan in place, except we decided that actually when it came about, we didn't do it. We decided that we'll actually do it ourselves. The result is you can now look at what uh, the, all of it. People were panicking, rushing around like a ball going through a pinball machine um, and uh, with no clear direction. And of course, with the stupidity of Boris, um, you, were, you were just getting confused leadership. The government, uh, the cabinet didn't know what they were supposed to be doing. And uh, frankly, I didn't want to know what Matt Hancock was doing, apart from the fact that some of us had been pictures, which I didn't need either. Well, I've got some good news for everybody. Sir Keir Starmer's an Arsenal supporter. He sits just behind me at the Emirates. So all is not bad. Let's <laughs> uh, let's turn to a geo geoeconomic situation around the world. Um, yep. China, China and Iran, are they funding Ukraine? Ah, not directly, but certainly indirectly. China, of course, is, uh, you know, is, is uh, the, the proper player here. Remember, I mean, we've mentioned this before. Russia is not a superpower. Russia is a dangerous power. Uh, economically, it's weak, very weak indeed. Uh, Putin, when he came to power, said he's going to broaden out the economy away from just um, dependence upon uh, commodities. The result of that is actually narrowed the economy, so it's even smaller. 
greater proportion just on commodities. Um, the population is shrinking quite dr dramatically, um, and so it finds itself in a very difficult position indeed. And I think I've used the figure before. If you look at the GDP of Russia, uh, that huge great country, it works out at just over 45% of that of the United Kingdom. Um, so that's, that's pretty small. Having said that, it's still a dangerous country. Um, China is the one which is uh, obviously we all know we have to look at. And of course, let's look at a lack of a bit of history with this. Uh, we just passed the anniversary of Tiananmen Square. Um, and uh, you know, but, uh, the, the last sort of sort signs of mainland China uh, having, a, having an opposition. Now, beware of President Xi. Traditionally, it was a regular process that every 10 years, the left wing and the right wing of the Communist Party, if you bear the fact they do have the left wing and the right wing, one was more pragmatic and looked outside, one was more internal. Um, and every 10 years, they swap sides. Um, and then President Xi, this time, decided that's not going to happen. After 10 years, I'm hanging on to power. Not only that, I'm going to make sure the other side knows I'm hanging on to power. And when we saw the last party uh, get together, um, you may remember that one of the, the previous presidents was actually carted off halfway through the, um, through the assembly. Um, much to his uh, amazement, he didn't understand what was going on. Yes, he's ill. Uh, that's not the point. The point was Xi was saying, my, uh, my team is, uh, is winning and we're staying in power. Uh, the other side aren't coming in. So it's a much more aggressive stance. Um, and so what is China going to be doing now? Well, part of it, you look back in history, the 100 years of uh, pain and humiliation, going back to the 1840s, a little bit more than 100 years. Um, uh, but nonetheless, when the European countries were taking chunks out of China, and even one of them, of course, is actually fighting two wars to enable them to buy opium uh, at fixed prices. That, of course, was us. Uh, we're not exactly our finest time. Uh, we ended with the result of that by getting our lease on Hong Kong. Um, but so as far as China's concerned, um, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of payback here. And the question is how constructive are the Chinese going to be or are they going to be more destructive and awkward? At the moment, if you live in Southeast Asia, the attitude towards the Chinese is still very worrying because there they are with the nine dot line claiming half of the, well, more than half of the, uh, the, the South China Sea. The arguments within, uh, with Japan uh, over the uh, East China Sea are a few rocks there, and that's all to do with oil and gas. No, it's not. It's actually all to do with prestige and the oriental issue face. Um, there's that, and of course, China and India don't go on terribly well, whether it's uh, the, the arguments over Kashmir, which many would have thought that was just Pakistan and India, 25% was technically looked after as a translation uh, by the Chinese. Um, and of course, you've got the dispute border disputes uh, in Sikkim in North Northeast India. Uh, so China is the one who would have any, some sort of influence and control over, uh, over Russia. Um, uh, Putin, despite all the arguments, has not got access to much money. Um, you know, we know that it was 60 billion of capital. We know that because where's a lot of it? The answer is in London. Why is it in London? Because London is an extremely good centre for doing money laundering, which uh, we did with uh, quite astonishing speed um, over the past 15 years, particularly with Russia. Um, so uh, uh, Russia is going to find it extremely difficult to carry on like this, but it will no doubt be finding further support, financial support, probably from uh, China, not so much from Iran, because they haven't got any money either. Um, so China is going to be there. We need China to be putting pressure on Russia not to start throwing bombs around, sorry, any more bombs or nuclear bombs around. Um, uh, so we hope for some pragmatism there. But the relationship with America uh, is not good. It's good to see, though, that actually we have seen higher level foreign office, American uh, foreign, foreign department uh, meetings in Beijing, just to make sure that the back doors are, are there 
um, and those conversations are going on just in case things get get worse. But in the meantime, the issue over Taiwan is still very, very strong in China. Why? Because as far as Xi's concerned, it's not, have I got a problem domestically? And bear in mind, we had 5,000 major social riots in, in mainland China last year. It doesn't get much publicity. And when you've got domestic issues and pressures like that and inflation, uh, they have to admit to inflation. What do you do? You, play, you point the finger overseas, a bit like Argentina and the Malvinas and the Falklands. Um, but of course, the Chinese would say, well, it's a bit different from that because as far as they're concerned, Taiwan was always part of China. Um, and uh, so historically, uh, to a great extent over the past 200 years, it always, always has been. But anyway, so China, we have to watch. We need China on side, but they're never going to be friends in that sort of way. They are operating much more um, dogmatic than we've seen before. Um, and you see the issues, uh, certainly talking to Chinese friends here, who are very concerned over things like the Chinese police stations uh, in, uh, in the UK, i.e. where they're keeping tabs on Chinese communities in this country. And those who are showing signs of anti-communist uh, leanings are having their, their names taken down, is a polite way of putting it. So um, people are, I think, very concerned indeed. But China is still going to be growing. Why? Because the Communist Party does not exist if it's starting to be unpopular, and you're unpopular if the economy starts shrinking and you get unemployment. Good heavens. In China, um, they will be doing everything they can to keep it going. So that's the card we need to make sure to play, to make sure we help them keep their economy going, because we need them on side with us. Wow. Now, I live in um, I live in Guildford. Surrey University is absolutely packed out with Chinese students, lovely yeah. people. They're all over Guildford, serving in shops and everything else. Um, we've thrown Hawaii out, 5G, haven't we? But they're still building Hinkley Point power station so they can switch the lights off. Have I got that? Well, <laughs> well it is, it's really interesting. When you actually look at the, actually the electronic infrastructure of Britain, and people go on about uh, to what extent they're hacking into areas, and the Russians have been hacking in as well. I was doing a program with uh, an ex-head of GCHQ. Uh, so I said, well, don't do anything, to which he cocked an eyebrow and said, what do you think? Um, and the answer is, we were doing exactly the same. They know what's going on, and uh, we've been responding to that as well. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, we need to make sure that our, that our gate's not left open for people to come in and just uh, infect our systems, but let's not be fooled, um, all systems can be hacked and we need to make sure that people are properly trying to control whether it's our financial systems, uh, whether it's communication systems. And you remember that issue the other week about the passport control, um, the e-gates going down in Britain? No, no, going down in France and Denmark. And that's slightly more worrying. If you actually have international control systems are breaking down so you can't actually track not so much your citizens, but the people you don't want to be citizens. Um, because they can start coming in where they want to. Now, there's a lot here saying tittle tattle about that, but that would be a warning to us. Uh, increasingly, we're seeing more systems control, and if other people can move into it uh, without us uh, realising it, before we know what happens, suddenly your banking system, your financial system, is being compromised, and you have no power over it. Back so, to AI. Yeah. Oh, AI. We're on to, I've forgotten about AI. I was going to ask you about <laughs> Ukraine, but let's have, what about Ukraine? Is that really costing us a lot of money? We seem to be um, supplying more people and we're denying the SAS are in Ukraine at the moment. It's a good job Damien but, Lewis isn't on today. Well, it is astonishing when you think about it, actually, that you know, here we are now with an army that's uh, never been quite so small. Um, and uh, you know, yeah, there we are suddenly throwing stuff out of the Ukraine. Please have these. We've got some second-hand tanks here. Um, and uh, no, that's the Germans giving them their tank. I think it was, what, four years ago, um, 
from a reliable source. The German um, uh, army, actually, with all its stack of tanks, actually found that there were eight fully operational leopards, uh, and the rest just hadn't been properly looked after. Why? As I observed, they were an interesting military issues or other things to spend money on. Um, so if nothing else, this is actually going to give a, a boost to defence industries everywhere. Um, and actually, that's quite good for the UK, because normally we're quite good at that thing, although mm. we have a nasty habit of selling them off to the Americans, unfortunately, but that's a, a, another problem. But no, we're giving away huge amounts to Ukraine, and that's fine. The question is, can you can do that year after year after year? Somehow things people there's going to be a Ukrainian blitzkrieg and Russia goes back and said, oh, sorry, chaps, um, no, no matter, uh, my apologies. It doesn't work like that. Uh, we've got to probably hope for a coup against Putin. Then you've got to work out to get the right people throwing Putin away because you might easily find the person who was running a, uh, the Wagner group of mercenaries and he ain't a very pleasant character either. So uh, politically, this is dangerous. Economically, indirectly, it's dangerous because of what's happening. It's destabilizing. Um, but uh, financially, we can't carry on with the Ukraine um, issue like this. And that's just saying, well, it's over there. We'll give us more arms, give us some missiles. Because that does cost us, and we can't afford that in a medium term, heaven's sake, certainly not the long term. And our other European colleagues are playing the game as well, are they? I'm never sure. Well, yeah, well, in fact, you're never sure. They're very good at actually saying so, but the delivery uh, seems uh, uh, a lot of the equipment appears to have glue on it and doesn't seem to move very easily. Um, no, the Germans have started chipping in, um, whether it's out of guilt or otherwise, but everything seems to be arriving a wee bit late. Uh, to that one. The people who are actually uh, busy putting uh, as much pressure on to get people to spend are the old uh, Baltic states um, and Poland. So for heaven's sake, get as much as possible in there. Why? Because we're on the borders. Um, and uh, so Hungary and Serbia won't be quite so enthusiastic because of their own historical differences. Um, but no, the, we're, if you this carries on for another year, the governments in the West are going to find it very difficult to get along to their um, to their voters and saying, yeah, we're still willing to throw X billion at Ukraine when actually we're in a position that our economy is looking very weak indeed um, and people are feeling this, uh, financially very painful and yet we're able to ship millions of pounds uh, over to Ukraine, albeit for good cause. That uh, attitude will wane as uh, we end up getting significantly poorer. OK, well, you mentioned uh, artificial intelligence. I find Jack Ch Chat GPT fantastic. For me, it can write an article for me in 30 seconds. Um, but well, I was chairing a conference this weekend, this uh, last week in the city about this and what impact it would be having. It's not would be, it is having. Um, who do you get to run your funds these days um, in terms of doing it? staff, you know, fund manager? I do like uh, Mr. Woodford. Well, wasn't he good? Um, for those of us who had an endless supply of solicitors' letters from his organization, um, we, uh, we knew what he was up to beforehand, but no one wanted to admit it. No one wanted to say that the emperor was looking somewhat sartorially challenged. Actually, of course, with AI, what you've got is just a series of um, uh, you know, uh, al uh, algorithms which could actually run a model portfolio for you. There's nothing new in that. You can call it AI if you like. Um, but is that as good as, uh, as a star bank, a star investment manager? Well, it's already been shown to actually say probably yes in the longer term because um, now, uh, managed passives, but automatically managed passives, um, can actually, if you just run it like that very cheaply, would have won out very successfully over the past 10 years. So we don't always regard that as AI, but it is a form of AI. Um, and of course, that can go still further. The bit that always frightens us, of course, is when the AI starts making decisions over our lives, our policies, over what we think or what our leaders think, i.e. they've now taken decisions for us. 
that smacks of certain Schwarzenegger films, doesn't it? Mm. Um, so it's interesting when you even get the people who are developing AI turning around saying, we're frightened of it. But if they are frightened of it, I think we probably need to be as well. So are you saying what you did at Seven Investment Management, which was spreading the portfolio all over the world, et cetera, was yeah. pretty similar to what AI yeah. could do for you? Yes, what you've got to do is you set up some algorithms to say we're going to have a broad asset allocation. We know what the asset classes are like. I know what the volatilities are going to be like. Um, and I put in various risk parameters, press the button and let it go. Um, it won't make a fortune. It won't lose a fortune. It's highly unlikely to, but that's a bit like having AI, but someone's still at the wheel, but not actually holding it the entire time. Just in case there is an accident, a human can intervene and actually do something about it. So that sort of management structure is already going to be there. Short term, uh, AI is going to be taking away some of the more run-of-the-mill stuff, uh, which is quite straightforward. But the very fact, you know, when you see students, well, even university students, just people doing their GCSEs and having their essays written for them, um, you know, we'd all sort of thought, oh, well, that's not happening, is it really? And of course, if you actually go back, they've been doing it for the last three years. Just shows how slow we are. Yeah, it really is happening. Well, we're nearly out of time, Justin. Uh, one last thought on things, Posi positive ones. You haven't mentioned the doomsday clock, whether that's moved or not. So we better, oh, yeah. better move on clock. from that. Yeah, doomsday clock's been, been te teetering on the edge uh, for, for donkey's years. Um, no, we're back to uh, Captain Mannering, aren't we? Sort of you know, saying, don't panic. It's pointless panicking about it. It's not what you can actually do. Um, Bear in mind, you know, ignore what the BBC is telling you half the time, um, because they're journalists. They'll write the, their stories of, which are of interest. Or they'll have to say, is that really any more? They actually want to write about Mr. Schofield. Do me a favour. Um, uh, when you've got all sorts of things happening in the world, and we're, we're worried about a, 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 a television ego having trouble with his private life and not uh, being truthful about what he's been doing in his makeup room. Ah, well, make, make a rather shoddy film, I would have thought. Anyway, but the point is this. Actually, stick to your guns in terms of what you need to be able to do. We need to do more individual financial planning for our families uh, to, to get the money across the generations. We will be being taxed more. That is inevitable. Um, but we can manage it in such a way so that those who've got the assets can in, uh, pass it over to uh, down the generations, across the generations in a responsible way. Don't give it to your 18-year-old child who's probably going to stick it behind the university bar or up his nose or something. Um, but actually, there is a way to make sure it's spread around the family so it's run or as a family office, family trust. Family offices sound very grand. That's what people should have. But actually, you know, it's what people did many times. Certainly in Scotland, we had it. It was run quite often by the family system. It wasn't very good, but there was some coordination. Now, the thing we should look at in Britain, we have growth areas in Britain. We have the technology uh, companies. We're very good at setting up small technology businesses. They're based on those tech hubs. You know, the usual names of Silicon, uh, no, Silicon Glen, Silicon Fen, Silicon Roundabout, Silicon Implant, or something else, uh, Silicon Gorge. Silicon Beach, basically, it's basically saying that there's a hub built around Oxford universities, throwing out tech ideas and maybe tech businesses, um, and they get going. They never get to grow very much because, well, of course not. Uh, private equity or water point Silicon Valley just comes in and scoops them away. So Britain loses out. So if we had some intelligence, we'd actually be having more investment into those businesses and into those regions, not more government money. No more government money going to that. Create government incentives. We've got EIS schemes, we've got, we should have regional EIS schemes, create more incentives so that people going to invest, be they UK-based or overseas, have that one word that runs an economy, confidence. Um, I don't ask the government to actually try and run anything because they can't, um, but get them in the position where they can just get the economy starting to grow on a steady basis, 
then need the rest to make sure that companies domestically and overseas are able to invest effectively and cheaply as possible. Do that and you'll get that confidence back and we'll start growing again. Not too hot, but just slow and steady. That's all you need at the moment. And just try and take as much risk out of it as you can. We know that can happen. I've seen the businesses. Um, what they need is more capital and they will be growing, but it takes some more confidence, which sadly we're not getting from our current range of politicians. Justin, thanks for joining us again. Will you come back in the autumn and join us? Thanks Be for delighted, definitely. Yeah, and can I ask members of Monday Night Live to show Justin the appreciation in the normal Monday Night Live way? Thank thanks you. a lot. Thanks again, and we'll see you shortly. Report it. Okay.